You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Well, it's always a great honor to minister here at the church. I love the people of God, and I love this church. Amen. Today I want to talk about born to succeed in your life. And I wanted to start with that because in John's Gospel, the third chapter, Jesus said this. He said, truly I say unto you, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And Jesus said that to a man in leadership that didn't understand what the new birth was. When you come to Christ, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you are born to win. You're born to succeed. You're born to prevail in your career. You're born to succeed in your family. And I want to get rid of the dispute right now. It is always God's will for his born-again people to prevail in life. I don't care what you've been going through. I don't care how hard it's been. If you're a born-again Christian here today, you're born to win. You're born to prevail. And those of you that are not born again, God is calling you in to become one of his children so that you can succeed, so that you can prevail, so that you can get a blast of blessing in your life. That's what God has called you to. And I want to take you to a very, very powerful verse. It's found in Psalms 8411, if you look up at the screen, you'll see this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. Watch this. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, what it's saying is God is not the one holding back your blessing. God will bless you with anything and everything. When you're in the center of God's will, there's nothing that is outside of your grasp. You can ask whatever you wish, and God will give it to you when you're in the center of his will. Jesus said it this way, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you, sh- uh, you, you shall ask what you wish, and it shall be given to you. By this, your Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Can you say amen, everybody? Now, I'm teaching that this morning because people don't realize that the only thing that is keeping us from receiving what we want from God is carnality. I talked about it a little bit last week. I'm going to emphasize a little bit more. It's carnality. When you're carnal, the things that I'm talking about are not available to you, but when you're spiritually minded, they become available to you in your life. So if you need a blessing in your life today... What we need to do is renew your mind to a place where you're no longer carnal-minded in that area so that you can receive what you want from God. Say amen, everybody. Now, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, the apostle Paul made this statement about this area. He said this. He said the natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit And it says that he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. He's saying the natural man can't do that, but a spiritual man can be able to do that. And what I have learned over the years is that many individuals are unable to receive the things they want in life simply because they're not spiritually minded. They've had things happen to them in their lives. They've been disappointed. They've had tragedies. They've had disappointments. And so their thinking 
is operating from the, the precedence of the flesh. And even though God wants to help them, he can't help them until they change their thinking. This is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, he said this, he said, the carnal mind brings forth death, but the spiritual mind brings forth life. That means the blessings, amen, and peace. He said the carnal mind has enmity against God and cannot submit to the law of God. And then he says this, you can't please God if you're in the flesh. Now, we know from the text that he's talking about people who do not possess the Holy Spirit. But we also know that a believer, someone born again, can have a carnal mind. Because Paul said, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, even babes. He said, I tried to give you solid food, but you couldn't eat it. And since there's envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not acting like mere men? In other words, he's dealing with believers, but because of the carnality of their thinking, they weren't able to receive from him. And I don't know about you, but I've preached many messages where people are in that spot. I'm giving them the truth that can set them free, but they're not, their minds are not spiritual in the way they're looking at it, so they're unable to receive. Let me give you an example. I have preached for years out of Proverbs that a parent needs not to spare the rod to the child. If you do it, you're going to ruin the child. In other words, you need to spank the child. Say amen. amen. And I've had well-meaning parents afterwards come up to me and say, Pastor, I just don't do that. Because when I grew up, my dad beat me. And I'm not going to be that kind of father. I'm not going to be that kind of mother, whatever. And I understand that the abuse of someone who didn't practice it the right way, did it by the flesh, has scarred you in your thinking, and you're unable yet to receive what the Scripture says but I also know that you can't raise your children up and train them in the way that they should go if you don't use the rod. All right, we'll just stop right here. I want you to give God praise right now. I'll tell more stink my kids. Hallelujah, Jesus. That won't hurt them. It'll actually bless them. Amen? And another topic that I've taught that I've had a lot of resistance in is I'll be teaching on marriage and say, well, uh, Scripture says here, ladies, that you are to submit to your husband in everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've had people get out of this, women get out of the service, storm out. Why? Because they were married to the Antichrist. <laughs> they were abused. I understand that, but I'll tell you what, if you have a husband that loves you as Christ lived the church and is willing to die for you and sacrifice his life for you, ladies, it's easy to follow someone like that. It's hard to find someone that is leading you into sin, but it's easy to follow someone that loves you as Christ loved the church. All the guys that say, amen, that's me, praise God. My wife follows me because I love her so much. But the point that I'm trying to suggest to you to this is simply this, that spiritual-mindedness is something that comes by the renewing of the mind. And I'm going to give you a verse that will show you exactly how to do it. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Look up at the screen. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. Now, what happens to a lot of people in their thinking is this. They have a thought process, they have an idea, they have a concept that for whatever reason, they've exalted that above the knowledge of God. And what happens then is they hold captives God's word so it can't produce the fruit that God wants it to produce in your life because their ideas are above the word of God. It's almost like in a prison. We would think it was odd if the prisoners held captive the guards. But when you don't renew your mind right, that's exactly what happens. You are allowing these carnal thoughts to hold captive the word of God in your life, and it's preventing you from the success that God wants you to have in your life. And I love the text because he says, casting down all imaginations. Say all imaginations. I want you to learn something right now. Imagination is more powerful than a thought. If you cast down an imagination, it's connected to a thought, and the thought will eventually tumble because words paint pictures. Can you say amen? So when he says to cast down those imaginations, some of you are here today, and the vision you have for your life is not according to Scripture. It's according to your flesh. In other words, you don't see yourself as a victor. You see yourself as a victim. You see yourself as someone that's under the weather, someone that's, uh, that's under the barrel, someone that's on the other side of the track instead of someone that's on the right side of the track, instead of someone that's on top of the barrel, instead of someone that's seated in heavenly places. You see, see yourself in the wrong light. And because of that, you can't receive from God the promises that I'm preaching to you today. You got to make sure that Jesus is Lord over your thought life, over the images that you have of your life, that Jesus is the Lord of Lord over all those things. Don't allow yourself to see yourself as a nobody. See yourself as a king and a priest. Don't allow yourself to see yourself as defeated. See yourself as a victor. Don't allow, don't allow yourself to see yourself as overcome. See yourself as an overcomer because it's whatever, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is our faith that, come on, that, hallelujah. I want you to see that because we miss that all the time. We miss it all the time. When I was first a Christian, there were many teachings in the, that I heard from the pulpit that I just couldn't receive at that point. So that doesn't make any sense. Because my mind had ideas and thoughts and concepts that I'd relied on until I got saved. And those ideas needed to be dethroned before God's word could rule in my thinking. And my pastor took time with me and talked to me about different issues and as I begin to talk about it, meditate on it, my mind began to get renewed more and more and more. But you don't want to live with the prisoners holding captive the guards. You want God's word to be thriving in your life. Hallelujah. I realize we live in a woke society. 
And people are afraid to resist or come against woke concepts. But it's not about woke concepts. It's about truth. I'm going to preach the truth with or without the public's agreement. The truth is what sets you free. But you got, you got to be willing to mentally cast that down so that God can move in your life in a wonderful way. Now, I'm going to show you something here that's really going to help. I'm going to show you an illustration in Scripture of someone who was carnally minded for a season, and then they became spiritually minded, and God opened up for them an ability to receive what God promised. And the individual is Abram. Abram was called by God out of Ur the Chaldees, a pagan city. They worshiped the moon god. He was called out to go somewhere that God didn't tell him where he was going. So he took his family and he left. But God told him, I want you to leave alone. I don't want you to take your family. I don't want you to take your nephew Lot. I want you to go by yourself. But he took his father. His father died two years after he left. And Lot, now he's in a situation where he's fighting with Lot. The herdsmen with the shepherds are fighting with each other. There's contention. There's strife. And Abraham had, or Abram had every reason in the world to say, I have the right, because I am the senior in this situation, but he walked in love. He told Lot, you choose whatever direction you want to go, I'll go the opposite direction. And he chose the, the best land, and, and Abram chose the desert land, or with the desert land, and he said, I'm going to walk in love towards you. It was after that incident that all of us and Abraham's in a good position now. His obedience is complete. His father's gone. He's separated from Lot. And he's spiritually minded. He walked in love instead of envy and strife and jealousy and all that stuff. And God took him outside the tent and he said, I want you to look up, and as far as you can see, I will give you this land. So whatever you see yourself having, I will give you. And all of a sudden, he gets this revelation. How do you believe you receive? You believe you receive by seeing yourself possessing it. If you can see yourself possess it, you can receive it. But he didn't get that revelation in the beginning. He got that revelation at the end. Just like you, if you grow and develop in the Lord, the Holy Spirit will show you things and give you revelation how to believe you receive. When you believe you receive, you've got to see yourself possessing it. But notice, what if he would have got angry at Lot and harbored resentment and unforgiveness? He never would have got that revelation. God would not have been able to give him the revelation of his word in that area if he was still contentious. I wonder how many people today that hear my voice that say, I'm still mad at so-and-so, or I'm still mad at my ex, or I'm still mad at my kids, or I'm still mad at my country, or I'm still mad at the White House. I wonder how many people are in that boat today that are not spiritually minded in that area. What you need to do is repent and say, Lord, I'm going to love them no matter what they are. I know they're stupid, but I love them. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to walk in love. And then you'll be in a position where you'll be able to receive from God the things that you need from God. And that's what we all want to do, right? How many want to be able to receive every promise that God promises? How many want to be able to ask what you want within the will of God that you want? 
It doesn't matter what size of house it is. doesn't matter what kind of car it is. doesn't matter what. In other words, you can do that when you're in the center of God's will in your life and you are spiritually minded in that area. God gives you a blank check. But he won't give it to you when you're carnally minded. Hallelujah. I said he won't give it to you when you're carnally minded. And you know, when Paul talked about the church being carnally minded, said there was envy and strife and division among you, you know where it came from? Some said I'm Apollos, some say I'm Paul, some say I'm Peter. In other words, they had fanfares. They thought one preacher was better than the other preacher, and he says, You're carnal minded, you're like the world, you got idols. God's the one that gives the increase. Amen? So I want you to hear this today because I want you to be able to receive what you want in life within God's will. Because if you have that, your joy will be made floor, your testimony will be great, and when Christ returns, you're going to be glorified to the measure of fruitfulness that you experienced in this life, and you're going to shine bright. The Bible said that, that people that are resurrected from Christ, those that won souls will shine brighter than those that don't. Hallelujah, and that's all possible for every one of us if we would take serious what the Word of God says and really, <coughs> excuse me, become spiritually minded. Amen. <coughs> now, are you excited so far? I want you to give God a hoot right now. Come on, Sam, I'm excited. I want you to give him a hoot. Now, I want you to write this down because this is a very important point I'm going to share with you. You know the word heart in Scripture and the word spirit? Uh, they both are used indicating the same thing. In other words, the heart is the spirit, and the spirit is the heart. You find that in Scripture. In fact, a reference that proves that is in Romans chapter 2, verse 29, where it says the circumcision of the heart in the spirit. But heart talks about the inward part of the spirit. Spirit just talks about the real you, not your soul, not your body, the real you. You're a spirit man. You have a soul and you live in a body. You have an earth suit on right now. Amen? Now, it's important you understand that because when you're talking about faith, you're talking about faith of the heart. You're not talking about mental assent. You're talking about faith. Now, Jesus said, if you doubt not in your, in your heart, not in your head, in your heart, if you don't doubt what's in your heart, you can have what you say. So what we need to do is get it from the, or get it from the mind down to the heart so that our faith will not fail in our lives. Amen? God desires that for you. He desires it for me. And when you see this, it will bless you in a great way in your life. Now, I want to show you something, and write this down, Matthew 5, 28. I want to show you how to get it into the heart. Very important how to get in the heart. Matthew 5.28, Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, if you've never studied the Sermon on the Mount, you should. Every Christian should know it backwards. It shows you how to live. But in it, Jesus said, anyone that looks upon a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart. Now, Jesus is not talking about physical adultery. He's not talking about having a physical affair with someone other than your wife. He's talking about the deeds 
of your imagination. If you can imagine it, those deeds are equal to the physical act of adultery in your life. And what I'm telling you right now is this. If you want the deeds that change your life, you're going to have to have the deeds of your imagination where you begin to see what God says in the Word is yours. I see that I'm an overcomer in spite of the fact that I'm being run over right now. I see myself as healed, healthy, and wealthy, even though I'm broke, busted, disgusted. I see myself as someone that can't be defeated, even though the odds are against you, even though the, come on, it looks like the armies against you are bigger than what you have. You see yourself according to the Word of God in your life. It don't matter how big the army is, how big the opposition is, you just offer up a sacrifice of praise and know that the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. <clears throat> But you have to see those things for the deeds of that to work. And if you do, it deposits within your heart. Now, this is different than mental assent. This is different than the placebo effect. How many have ever been on uh, a computer and you ordered a supplement? And on the supplement, they said that this would do this or that for you. <clears throat> and you... Uh, and you went ahead and took it, and you noticed an improvement. It doesn't mean that the supplement worked. It means you believe the supplement would work. It's a placebo effect. The only time you know a supplement actually works is when they have scientific studies on it that prove that it actually does what people say it does. But all kinds of people are making millions of dollars telling you about something that doesn't actually work, but because you believe it works, there's some effect in your life. I'm telling you the word of truth is not a placebo effect. This is truth. This will heal you of cancer. This will meet your needs. This will bless your family. This will bless your, your children. This will release the blessing of God in your life if you, if you just grab hold of that anyway. It will. But you need to exercise your faith in it. People want to understand that faith is more than the way you think. There's a picture involved with your thought lives. Remember, uh, Peter told Jesus one time in a storm, he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. Jesus was walking on the water. And when Peter stepped down on that water, he did more than just believe mentally. He saw himself in his inner man. I can walk on the water. He saw that. We know it had to do with what he saw because when he looked at the storm and it was boisterous, and the waves were coming in, his faith decreased. Why? Because he lost the vision of what Jesus had told him, and he stopped walking on the water. Some of you lost the vision that God told you. Some of you lost the vision. You don't see it anymore because you've been so disappointed. It's just went on and on and on and on. You don't see it. I'm telling you, you got to get the vision back. You got to embrace the vision again. You got to take the vision again. It's mine. Hallelujah, Jesus, and embrace it. Keep your eyes focused on it. It'll really bless you. 
Now, I'm about ready to give you some really powerful truth. And I believe it has to do with how you see yourself. You know, I went to a very traditional church, Catholic church. In fact, there's no slam on the Catholics. But the idea of a believer in that kind of church was we're all sinners, even after you're saved. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. I'm going to show you in the Word that, we, that if you're born again, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint. You're no longer on the bottom of the barrel. You're on top of the barrel because you're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are no longer a nobody. You're a king. You're no longer just someone that does his best to pray for God. You're a priest. That's what Scripture says. I'm no longer a sinner. I used to be a sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm saved. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to give it to you from some Scripture. Write these down, and you can look them up later. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Okay, did you get all those? 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, verse 9, and then also 1 John 1, verse 5. Very powerful verses. Now, the first one that I want to recite to you is this. It says this. This is 1 John 3. He says, in him is no sin. Shout hallelujah. How many know that you're in Christ? Now, that is similar to 1 John 1, 5. It says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now, you're in him, right? Now, here's what John's doing. John is showing them the difference between somebody who is saved and somebody who's not. He goes on and says this. He says, anyone that continues in sin has neither known him or seen him. What he's saying, what he's saying is, is there has to be a change of heart. If you're born again, there's a change of heart. You're not the same way you were before. And if you're acting the same way you did before from the inside out, you're not really born of the Spirit. Because then he goes down in verse 9 and says this, whatever is born of God does not sin. He's not talking about your soul. He's not talking about your body. He's talking about the new man in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is as saved as it's ever going to be in his life. Hebrews 10 says this concerning the sacrifice of Jesus, that we have been perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. The Bible says that we are complete in him. Your spirit man is as saved as you're ever going to get saved. There is no sin in that part of the new creation because God's word is inside of me. And it says it's because his seed remains in, in you and he cannot sin. Some theologians can't handle that and they say he's talking about habitual sin. A born again believer not habitually sin. I don't believe that's right. I'll tell you why I don't believe it's right. Because I don't care who you are in the faith. I can probably, if I look long enough, find an habitual sin in your life. Whether it's gluttony, say amen, everybody, when you go for the two and the third helping. How about worry? Some of you got saved because you were worried, and you're still saved after you got worried, after you got saved. Worry is something that people habitually deal with. 
Or maybe you got a little weakness in this area, that way you lose your temper. Or maybe you've tried not to gossip, but you continue to gossip. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means that that's an area in your life that you're working on and you're wrestling in your life. Amen? But when you got born again, your heart changed. And here's the part I want you to see. Even when you are doing something that mentally makes sense, that is sin, inside of your heart, you know that you shouldn't be doing that. Inside of your heart, you will not participate with it. Inside of your heart, you're not going to get involved with it because your heart is a new creation of Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. The divine nature is inside of you. And that divine nature doesn't want to do that, doesn't want to live that way. You might be able to put it aside and live by your flesh, live by your carnal mind. But inside, I'm miserable. Inside, i got to go forward and get my life right with God. Inside, something's bothering me. I sense the grieving of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's why I say you're not a sinner. You may be acting like one, but once a heart is changed, it's changed forever. And let me just say that when a Christian stumbles and falls in their faith, they don't stumble out of salvation. They don't, you know, well, I swore and went with girls that chew... Anyway, I forget the saying I say. Doesn't make much difference. That doesn't matter. You didn't fall out of your salvation. Let me give it to you, type and shout on. You remember when God told Noah to make the ark? It took him 120 years. That's a long building project. But he builds it. God goes inside the ark and tells Noah to come inside. That's the way it reads. God told him to go inside the ark. Well, you don't tell him unless you're inside the ark. He goes inside. The ark is sealed up by the Lord. And for 40 days, their salvation was that ark. I imagine 40 days on open sea, they may have got a little fight with their wife. Family may have not like kids. Quiet down. Come on. This is ridiculous. I'm going to drive you nuts 40 days in a boat anyway. But, they, but they're on a boat with no windows, and there's a storm going on. Come on, it's raining outside. Even if they were carnal during that period of time, when they fell, they fell in their salvation. They didn't fall out of the ark, and they're hanging on the side. I'm just opening prayers, and I make it to Jesus, and I get to heaven when the rapture comes. No, you fell within the ark. I'm supposed to, I'm encouraging today, don't get flicked out. That salvation is like that. We stumble, we fall, we make mistakes, but it, does, it doesn't mean every week you got to get born again. Well, i got to go forward and get born again. You may have to come forward and rededicate, but if you were really born again, you only get born again once. God doesn't have a twin somewhere. No, you, want, you get born again once. Hallelujah. I was born again. Hallelujah. When I got born again, I still had problems. I still had weaknesses. And through going to church, listening to the word and prayer, God began to trim those things off and my sanctification began to happen. But it was all because something changed on the inside. And what's funny is I didn't enjoy being with my friends and being carnal. 
I didn't enjoy that. In fact, well, the sad thing is all my friends left me because I didn't have any beer at the house anymore. I had no more dope at the house anymore. And so when I got saved, no one came over anymore. It was just me. It was really pretty bad. I had no one to witness to. They didn't want to be around me. They called me Crazy Jack before. Now they call me really crazy. So he's talking about getting stoned on the spirit. What does it mean to get stoned on the spirit? It means you get drunk in the Holy Ghost and the joy of the Lord works and you got no hangover in the morning. That's what it means. <laughs> Woo, praise God. See, in 1 Peter 1.23, it says this. It says, when you're begotten of God, it says, it's not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. Then it says, through the knowledge of God. And then it says, the word, or through the word, that is alive and abides and is forever. That's the born-again person. The born-again person has the seed of God inside of him and it's alive it abides forever inside of us it changed i don't know why anyone wouldn't want to get saved here's the problem with a lot of people they try to be good enough that they feel like when they die they'll go to heaven you never get saved that way you'll never get good enough just come as you are ah no matter how on my best days whether i get an a plus all week long doesn't make any difference I'm coming as I am, Lord, because your righteousness is as filthy rags. But God, if you go just as you are, Lord, I'm believing in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. God imparts his righteousness to you. All of a sudden, you're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. All of a sudden, you've been exalted, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. All of a sudden, your spirit has been made righteous, and there's life inside of you. All of a sudden, there's life that's bubbling up on the inside, and the Holy Spirit is living and abiding inside of you. Woo! Man, I love this. But that's what God desires for every one of us. Now, now, here is a key to this that will release these positive images that I'm trying to build in you today. And that is, always remember this, that God never responds to what we do. He only responds to us when we respond to what he's already done. In other words, if he didn't author it, he won't finish it. If he didn't offer, uh, author salvation for you, he wouldn't have provided it for you. If he didn't author healing for you, he wouldn't finish it. And uh, I, I remember years ago, there was a, a young guy that promoted in ministry that everybody needs to fast 40 days. And the, the problem with it was it is this. God's not moved because you fasted for 40 days. He's never moved if you fast 40 days. He's only moved if the Lord led you to fast. He's not moved if the Lord didn't lead you to fast. And the guy that promoted that actually died prematurely because he kept going on these 40-day fasts. And it abused his body. Say amen, everybody. So what I want you to understand is that when God leads us and we respond to that leading, uh, God will finish whatever he started. And listen, God's already started. He sent his word, and his word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And Jesus was tempted in all points like we are tempted in all points, yet without sin. And he went to that cross and took our sins upon himself, and he took the curse upon himself on that cross, and he died for us. And after three days, God rose him up from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. And what God started, I believed in. What God started, I have faith in. What God started, God wants to do in your life. He started your success in Christ. And he wants you to respond to it. He wants you to see yourself in the light of God's work. He wants to see yourself. Wow. That's how it works. Salvation is not dead works. Salvation is like a river. You got to get in your boat when the current's going and jump in the boat if you want the current to take you. Your boat doesn't start the current. You got to look for the current. And God's word tells us what God has already started in your life. He's already started your healing. He's already started your success. He's already started it. We just need to get in in faith and let him finish it. Finish it, Lord. Finish it, finish it, finish it. Bring to pass that blessing. Now, let me close with just a couple verses in Proverbs 4. 20 to 23. I love this. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear to my sayings. Now watch this. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Ooh, glory to God. For those who find them as life, and it is health, to all your flesh. He says, diligently keep your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Amen. Notice two things, ears and eyes. Your eyes and your ears are the gateway into your heart. You want to get faith in the heart, you're going to have to come through your eyes going to have to come through your ears. That's why we talk about so much importance of what you say. And what you see from what you say is what gets down into your heart. Now, I want to ask you this question. When he says, do not let it depart from your eyes, does that mean we walk around looking at verses all day long, stumbling over the cat, stumbling over the coffee table, stumbling over the couch, no, he's talking about get this word inside. And as you see what you are in Christ, even when you're washing the dishes, you see yourself as that. When you see from Scripture what it says, even when you're driving in traffic trying to get to work, you know who you are. That you see yourself when you're under the car changing the oil. You see yourself when you're in the yard cutting the grass. You see yourself as God's Word says wherever you're at. You see yourself. You see yourself. You see yourself. Start telling people that don't see themselves in the right light. Start telling them what they are. They say, well, I just feel like I'm a nothing. Oh, stop it. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You are a child of God. You're a king and a priest unto God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You got to get tough sometimes to get the breakthrough you, that you need. Now, I'm going to give you this last truth. I don't know if you can handle it, so why don't you stand up? I am a few minutes over here. 
This is a good truth. This is worth coming to the service. This is one truth. Did you know that what you see yourself having is creative power? It can create a positive future or a negative future. It can create a breakthrough or not a breakthrough. Images have creative power in them. And this is found in Genesis 2, 7. It's a very, very interesting verse, but it's talking about when God created Adam. It says that, that God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed in him life, and he became a living soul. Now, here's the part I want you to see. The word formed is the Hebrew word for imagination. It's the verb form, and the noun form is the word imagination. Remember it said, let us make man in our own image? It's revealing to us the power of one's imagination when it's stirred up by the Holy Spirit, when it's stirred up by the Word of God, when the Holy Spirit gives life to it. Of those, the things, the way that you see things has the power to create. It has the power to create a new life, create a blessed life, create a breakthrough, create an opportunity. It has the power to create it. Now, here's what I do. Here's what I recommend. Whenever I'm studying the message of God and I'm trying to get something to preach to you, I want it to be revelation. I don't want to just preach truth. I want it to be revelation. And sometimes you get stuck. So what I do is I start praying in the Spirit. I may pray in the Spirit for 15, 20 minutes. Half an hour just praying in the Spirit. And then there's a prayer that I pray. Paul prayed it. And this one always unleashes revelation. He says, I don't cease to pray for you that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Woo! You know what he's talking about? The eyes of your imagination. What he's talking about being enlightened by the spirit. Hallelujah. That you might know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the glory of his inheritance to the saints? And what is the exceedingly greatness of his power towards us who believe? That power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. And every name that is named. He has put all things under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Praise God. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Woo! Revelation begins to come, and you begin to read the scriptures, and all of a sudden, God starts showing you things. Oh, yeah. See that, Lord. That's why it's translated sometimes understanding. Because when you know, you understand. Ah, I know now. And sometimes you know because you see it. I didn't see it before. You know, Joyce and I have a great marriage. We've been married 50 years. That's because we got married when we were three. <laughs> but you know why we got a good marriage? Because... When I was stupid in my thinking, I would lose my peace, lose my joy. And so I'd go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, 
obviously not doing this right. And the Spirit of God would reveal things to me. So I'd come and say, baby, I'm wrong in this area. Now, sometimes I'd come and say, I'm right, you're wrong. But I usually never do that because it's really not the way God does it. The Holy Spirit needs to, to deal with people. That's the power of this message I'm giving you today. I want you to close your eyes right now. I'm going to pray for you. Because I know that many of you, God has spoken to you about many, many different things in your life. And many of you have been hurt. You've been hurt by children. You've been hurt by spouses. You've been hurt by exes. You've been hurt by the government. You've been hurt by people in leadership. And whenever you're thinking about that area, you're, you're, you're carnally minded. And even though God wants you to receive the promise that you can come out from it, because your thinking's wrong, it stops it from happening. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for your precious people. I'm asking, Lord, that you would quicken our minds by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, even right now, as you're falling in this service, there are dreams and visions that were given in the past that haven't been pursued. Or some of them have been pursued, but they've been laid aside because of disappointment when all they needed was some wisdom. I'm praying right now, Father, because we only stay here. We're only here for one reason. It's to be fruitful. It's to be fruitful. And I know they desire that, Lord, because their joy is made full when it happens. I'm praying that you would illuminate right now in their hearts and minds. Right now, there's some forgiveness going on right now. You let it go right now. Say, Lord, I'm going to love them. 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 I'm going to love her. I'm going to love her. I'm going to love them. I'm not going to hold it against them anymore in my life. I'm going to be spiritual-minded. Father, thank you for that. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.